Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Thursday, February 16th. Coming up, thousands of local students are homeless, but one school district has tackled that issue by finding families permanent housing and employment. I really honestly have not had help in like, like this scale ever. So it was a completely amazing. I'm still getting teary-eyed because it's like, it's amazing. We'll hear how Kansas City, Kansas became a national model for addressing student homelessness. But first, some headlines. More than a million people attended the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl victory parade and rally yesterday. Many people arrived at the parade route along Grand Boulevard and the rally location at Union Station in the early morning hours, and some even camped out overnight. Jesse Carrera was at Union Station at 6 a.m. He drove back to his hometown of Kansas City all the way from Centennial, Colorado. So we had to make the trip down here to celebrate uh... It's a, it's a mandatory celebration if, you're, if your town makes it to the, to the Super Bowl. Vanessa Rivera lined up along Grand Boulevard with her cousin, whose classes were canceled yesterday. Rivera wanted a spot right by the street so she could interact with players as they walked by. For her, watching the Chiefs means spending time with family. Every Sunday we all get together and, you know, if we're not at the game, we're watching it at somebody's house, you know, getting food together. Um, And it also uh, reminds us a lot of my brother. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us, but he was a huge Chiefs fan. So um, a part of him always stays with us, especially when Chiefs season comes around. Ashlyn Vaughn and Sammy Van Zanti were standing right up against the barricades when quarterback and MVP Patrick Mahomes came up to them. Patrick came right in front of us and then he was The two said the moment didn't feel real and that they'll never wash their hands again. Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey brought his mom to the parade and threw signed jerseys into the crowd. At the rally, he thanked fans for sticking with the team, even though analysts predicted they wouldn't make it to the playoffs. We do this for you guys, and we love every single time you make Arrowhead shake. Woo! It makes me feel like, oh, Kelsey said this was the best season of his life, and he believes the Chiefs have created a dynasty. And now for some non-Chiefs news. A Nebraska landfill has agreed to take oil-drenched soil and other waste from the Keystone Pipeline spill in north-central Kansas. Celia Yopis-Jepson of the Kansas News Service reports. The December 7th oil spill contaminated several acres of prairie, cropland, and creek. Trucks are hauling contaminated soil from the site to a landfill near Omaha. Contaminated creek water goes into huge tanks for treatment. Some will go into a five-acre pond being built for that purpose, too. Workers separate the oil from the water and send the oil to a refinery. Then they have to filter and treat the water, potentially repeatedly, until state environment officials say it is clean enough to go back into Mill Creek. Some legal experts want to re-examine how Missouri compensates people whose criminal convictions are overturned. This comes after Lamar Johnson was freed earlier this week, after serving 28 years in prison for a murder he didn't commit. But he's not eligible for financial restitution because DNA evidence wasn't used to get him out of prison. Washington University School of Law professor Peter Joy says changing that law would mean wrongfully convicted people wouldn't have to file lawsuits to get compensated. They would have to come up with an amount that seems to be reasonable enough 
to uh, fairly compensate somebody. Although it, it, it's hard to think of fair compensation when somebody, you know, spends time in prison. Missouri House Minority Leader Crystal Quaid filed legislation last month that would give payouts to people whose convictions are set aside without the use of DNA evidence. We'll be back after this. You listen to Kansas City Today every day because we're your local, reliable news source. You take us seriously. But now it's time to have some fun. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host Ari Shapiro is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org slash radioactive. All school districts are required by federal law to help homeless children stay in school. In Kansas City, Kansas, the school district has gone even further and cut student homelessness in half since 2015. KCUR editor Madeline Fox sat down with reporters Barb Shelley and Jody Fortino to talk about what the school district does to get families on their feet and how other schools have tried to replicate their success. Barb, why do schools offer special services to homeless students, and what is their responsibility? Well, as Jody and I know well, there is a federal law called the McKinney-Vento Act that says that students that are homeless or don't have a permanent residence must have an equitable education. And so that puts certain responsibilities on school districts to make sure these students get you know, the services they need to be on an equal footing with somebody who has lived in the same house for years. And there's just so much housing instability right now in the Kansas City area. And that's, it has really overloaded the the resources of school districts to, to help these families serve these kids. How did you zero in on Kansas City, Kansas Public Schools as a particular exemplar of homelessness policy? They are kind of known for their their impact program. Um, People have been talking about it for years and trying to replicate it, and there's even been some national research done on it. And Jody, why does it work that well? They kind of credit it to the particular model that they use, the collective impact model, which kind of gives a framework for how you handle what they say are like complex social issues, which require multiple organizations across like different fields and different businesses. So they really rely on the use of what they call a backbone agency who kind of like leads the effort and arranges all the different organizations and connects the families with all these different kind of organizations. So what they kind of credit it to is this kind of model of collaboration amongst all these agencies, as well as a single point of service, which a lot of these organizations that we've used and school districts we've seen use. So they have all these resources for families under one roof, typically on one day, either weekly or monthly, where families can connect with all these resources at one place at one time. If you're a parent or a guardian entering this program with your kids, what does your process look like? So when you first get involved with Impact KCK, usually you're referred to by the school district and they will connect you with Avenue of Life, 
You'll from there be connected with a caseworker or they call them navigators over there. And from there, they will kind of set goals for you. Like, do you, what do you need to be doing work-wise? What do you need housing-wise to be successful? Do you need financial literacy classes? You know, do you need further employment training? And from there, they will behind the scenes kind of work with all these agencies that they are working with on a regular basis to see what they connect you with. And then on these Impact Wednesday events, which are kind of a hallmark of the Impact KCK program, they you will kind of go around where they've kind of turned the office over there into like a resource event. They've got tables and signs everywhere with people waiting. These programs take the burden off of the school districts to play every role, to be social services, to be counselors, to be a safety net for students. That is kind of one of the large parts of why Impact KCK was originally created is so that schools could focus on educating students. So Jody, tell me about Stephanie Baker. Yeah, Stephanie Baker is a single mom of five kids, you know, ranging from four years old to 14 years old. And she moved to the Kansas City School District last year. That's when a tornado hit her home in Arkansas, leaving her family with pretty much nothing. She came here to get back on her feet. But when she enrolled her kids into the school district in KCK, they very quickly were identified as homeless. So from there, they connected her with the services at Avenue of Life in the Impact KCK program, where for the rest of the school year up until December, they got her an Uber car when her car broke down so she could get to work. When she was sick and had to miss work for a couple weeks, they were able to provide those hotel fees. And then in December, they gave her pretty much the biggest news of all, which is that they had found a home for her to rent. So she started the rest of the school year in January with a new home. Because they paid her first rent, she was able to get a new car. So she's in a really good place to be able to get back on her feet for the rest of the year. I really honestly have not had help in like like this scale ever. So it was a completely amazing. I'm still getting teary eyed because it's like it's amazing. Can you tell me a little bit about some efforts in other local school districts to echo this backbone organization, holistic approach to, to homelessness? There's several districts that we know of that, you know, actually use impact <laughs> in their name. And, and one is Olathe. And there they've, you know, rallied different social services and agencies and all to provide services. And that, that seems to be working well. Shawnee Mission got on board pretty quickly with something called Project Home. And that's pretty much the school district takes the leadership role in that and coordinating with agencies. That's been successful because they really try to identify students before they lose their homes. The teachers look for things. School staffers look for signs. And they they get them in the program and make sure that they stay stable. They, They don't become homeless. What we heard from the Hickman Mills School District, you know, notably they are a a much smaller district than Kansas City, Kansas, but they do still experience a high poverty amongst their population. For them, it was hard at first to get buy-in from families was a lot of the major problem. The homelessness liaison there, Danica Singleton, described it as PTSD amongst the families that they serve. What we know in the community is that funding 
is exhausted by the end of the month. So when families are in need, sometimes those community resources don't have the funds to help support them. They then have to wait till the beginning of the year. Sometimes that, again, can be discouraging to families in that time of need. I think that ties into what I was saying about that process for Impact Wednesdays, where, you know, they do behind the scenes kind of go around with these agencies and get families pre-approved for services because it creates this place where they don't have to be rejected again. And that was something I heard from David Aramovich at Shawnee Mission. He's the one who coordinates Project Home. He says, we have to do a thorough vetting process before we invite participants to come to Project Home as we don't want to offer false hope. He said many of the individuals who attend Project Home often hear the word no. Project Home is designed to say yes. I think we're learning that that schools really want to build support systems. They're learning that it it really does take a community to, to wrap their arms around families and help families thrive in order to help students thrive. That was reporters Barb Shelley and Jody Fortino speaking to editor Madeline Fox. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujiadeen. This podcast is produced by Paris Norval and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more coverage of the Super Bowl parade from Kansas City's NPR station and to read Jody and Barb's story about student homelessness, visit kcur.org. Tomorrow, we'll hear why so many local governments oppose a potential landfill in one part of Kansas City. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.